Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unbox podcast. My name is Reese, and today uh, we are going to be talking about the possibilities of delaying the 21st of June lockdown restrictions easing date uh, because Matt Hancock was on the Andrew Marsh show yesterday talking about uh, how the government might now be open to delaying that rather than just saying, well, we're not ruling anything out in terms of extending the date, uh, now saying it is open to it. Uh, We're also going to use this time to talk about how Matt Hancock has been denying the claims made uh, about him by Dominic Cummings uh, and also seeing what the government might have in store for it later in the week because, uh, as I talked about last week, um, there is going to be the potential for a Tory backbench rebellion over um, aid cuts which would come just before the G7 meet in St Albans later this week. So, all that to come on today's episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. So, we are once again talking about coronavirus headlines, which shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone, given the last year and a bit we have had. Um, But now we are seeing that the government is, according to Health Secretary Matt Hancock, absolutely open to delaying the final lifting of England's COVID lockdown on June the 21st, if it is necessary. Uh, That being said on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday. Um, Matt Hancock has insisted that the date set, uh, which is being called Freedom Day across many of the the popular press, um, was a not-before date to end restrictions. Uh, Yeah, this is the earliest it can happen. Uh, but we're not certain if it won't happen later, rather than exactly on that date, saying that number 10 would look at the data. Um, Now, this is something that has been in the news quite a lot recently. We've seen scientists who sit on NerveTag, which is the New and Emerging Respiratory Virus Task Action Group, I believe, uh, as well as the SAGE Committee, the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, both of which advise the government on um, matters relating to uh, the coronavirus especially and other emergencies for, for SAGE, um, saying that, well, we, sh- we need more time to properly analyse the available data. And now it seems that the government are more open to, to listening to those suggestions. There had been uh, almost flat-out rejections from the very start of this, uh, but we've slowly seen an erosion of the government's line that the 21st is the 21st, um, now turning into, well, the 21st was our first option, and we're we're open to changing our minds. Uh, also said by Matt Hancock yesterday was that this Delta variant, which was previously known as the Indian variant, and I, I feel will still be known as the Indian variant for quite a, a while, but uh, officially the Delta variant, is apparently up to 40% more transmissible than the Alpha strain, which was the uh, the Kent variant, uh, being called the, the English variant in, in some parts of the world. And this was the variant which caused so much trouble around Christmas of last year and was one of the contributory factors in pushing us back into lockdown over the new year. Um, Matt Hancock did have some positive things to say, however, saying that hospitalizations are remaining broadly flat, which for him is proof that COVID vaccinations are working. And it is borne out in the data that only about 6% of those people in hospital with coronavirus at the moment um, have had both jabs. And the majority of the people who are being admitted for coronavirus uh, have not been vaccinated 
at all. Now, this uh, new update from the government about the increased transmissibility of this Delta strain um, has, according to Matt Hancock, meant that the decision on whether to lift lockdown or not has been made more challenging, because this would mean all legal limits on social contact being removed if the uh, the 21st of June goes ahead as planned. That is the final stage of, of lockdown easing, and it is essentially uh, back to where we were before um, lockdowns in terms of social restrictions. Masks would be no longer mandatory, although it, is, it would be up to individual proprietors to to, to set their own guidelines if they wanted to keep masks in place. There would be nothing in the government's legislation stopping them from doing that. Uh, nightclubs will reopen again. Um, any restrictions on any gatherings, so sporting events, musical performances, um, what else? Weddings, funerals, birthdays, christenings, um, they would all be removed. Uh, but these these concerns about the Delta variant, which as I reported on last either Thursday or Friday, is now the dominant strain in the UK. Um, as I said, have led to these scientists calling for a lockdown. Uh, and as we're seeing uh, 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people, uh, recording new daily infections on Sunday, which ordinarily would be a day where the number of, of cases would be considered to be lower because of statistical and administrative uh, issues and, and hiccups regarding the... Um, the collection of data, uh, we're actually seeing seeing quite high um, levels of coronavirus infections relative to how we have seen in uh, recent weeks and months. Now, the number of patients in hospital is starting to level off. Um, the number of people in hospital with coronavirus, that is. Um, with data up to the 3rd of June, we're seeing a semi-flattening. I mean, we, we have seen a small climb from where we were sort of in, in the end of April and through May, uh, but it is seeming to not be an exponential rise at this point, which would be uh, a good uh, a good sign for anyone wanting to have this return to, to no social distancing as soon as possible, which I would imagine is, is quite a few people. Um, However, we are still waiting for, for more data to be to be turning up, and whilst vaccinations are being shown to be, be working and be effective in most of the cases, the link between infection and then going on a few weeks later, as it would normally have been seen to, to hospitalisation, has, according to Matt Hancock, been severed but not broken, which is an interesting choice of words, uh, because if you sever the relationship, it would imply it is broken. However, I think this is... This is more of a, a dampening of that relationship rather than a, a severing or a, a breakage. We are still seeing people who are infected, unfortunately, having to be transferred to hospital care. Some of them are still in quite dire need of it. And obviously we are still seeing, um, albeit very small numbers of, of daily deaths, we are still seeing regular daily deaths from coronavirus. I believe the most recent statistics we have are about four uh, but again, with the, the data being lower for, for the weekend and potentially um, slightly masking some other effects that we've seen from Professor uh, Ranaj Singh, I believe his, his name was, uh, who was on Nerve Tag and Sage, um, there could be other uh, things going around that are masking, <clears throat> if you'll excuse me there, um, some of the, the more 
real data around our, our current hospitalizations and, and death levels. Now, there is another alternative. Now, because we don't know whether the, the when the final decision will be made, except that it will be, well, we don't know what the final decision is. We know when it will uh, be made, according to the government. That's going to be the 14th of June, so what uh, a week away next Monday we will know uh, what the government's decision will be or at least that's when they they tell us it will be it could of course be delayed um, but there is another alternative for the government if they they don't want to to keep the status quo but also don't want to um, open up completely to the to the face where the stage sorry where we, we don't have any lockdown restrictions uh, it could be that some restrictions, such as the wearing of face coverings, um, working from home, things like that, might stay longer, whilst other areas are allowed to open, so potentially we see nightclubs but face masked. Um, that would be an interesting an interesting one. They're normally quite hot and, and warm and muggy at, at the best of times. Uh, with face masks on, it would be quite an interesting, um, an interesting decision. However, it is something that is being apparently realistically considered by the government, um, with Matt Hancock uh, saying, I wouldn't rule it out, uh, when asked by Andrew Marr about uh, those measures continuing, potentially beyond June. Uh, and also on the, on the cards, any reviews into social distancing, which would be part of that extension of the face masks and working from home guidance and things around that beyond June, and also the introduction of domestic vaccination passports, those discussions are apparently ongoing at the highest levels of government, according to the Health Secretary, again speaking to Andrew Marr. Now, of course, um, we we did see other things uh, being said at, uh, at this Andrew Marr interview, because Matt Hancock has been uh, facing a, a barrage in the press from, um, well, from Dominic Cummings, because he was he was on the, I suppose it's not quite the witness stand, it's not really a, a trial, but uh, he was giving evidence to the um, Health Science and Technology Committees in a joint session uh, for seven and a half hours, um, uh, what is it, a, a week or so ago now, and Matt Hancock was facing both barrels from Dominic Cummings, and he has denied flat out denied pretty much everything except one interesting one interesting thing because um Dominic Cummings managed to land a particularly um salient blow I, I guess uh when he he said that Matt Hancock had willfully allowed uh, people to to go from hospitals into care homes without covid tests and hence the uh, protective ring around care homes was just not there uh, and Matt Hancock said, well, actually, that almost did happen. He obviously didn't admit to uh, a willful um, neglect of, of duties and to uh, essentially have the culpability for the deaths of many people inside care homes on his hands. However, he did say that whilst the, the shield might not quite have been uh, as effective as uh, as it might have been, um, he said that, well, there is really a question of, of tenses, because whilst he did say exactly what is alleged, apparently, um, and that quote being, we would bring in testing when the testing capacity was available, 
there was just not enough tests available to test everybody at the start of the pandemic. So he's trying to get off on a technicality saying that this did happen, but it wasn't because I was negligent or, or, or willfully incompetent. It was because we just didn't have the capacity. So the strategic, I guess, such a callous term, but uh, I think it fits that the strategic decision was made that um, to prioritise beds in the hospitals, it was uh, time to send people home and well to care homes, and to to test them when they when they got there and when the testing capacity caught up. Um, so it's an interesting bone to pick with the uh, with the testimony from Dominic Cummings, um, because well, it's it is saying that Matt Hancock he's just admitted that he he did know that the people were being sent from hospitals into care homes. Um, and he is he's quarrelling over over the 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 tenses, um, saying they would bring in the testing, not that they are testing. So that is um, well an, an interesting quarrel to pick, as I as I said. Now he said that they have been given clinical advice, saying that the hospital is a dangerous place for people who might end up getting COVID after they've taken a test. And what matters is that you have the infection prevention control when you're in the care home. Uh, but he did go on to say that at the time, we didn't have the testing capacity. He then went on to say that, uh, and I quote here, I built that testing capacity. Well, you might have been the health secretary, but um, no. Uh, you're responsible for directing the policy. You can take some credit for it. But to say that I built, no. Uh, he's been on about the team and the frontline care workers all year. Now it's suddenly, I built the testing capacity. Um, Wrong choice of words there, Mr. Hancock. But to say, I built the testing capacity, um, put in place the 100,000 target, that was the uh, tests per day, set for, I think, the end of end of April, which also Dominic Cummings said that he was delaying, or Matt Hancock rather, was delaying testing so that they could meet that target rather than sending all the tests out as fast as could be done, uh, saying that then we got the tests and then we could implement the policy, which, again, does sound like a sort of a technical uh, denial rather than a no well actually this was the policy here and providing contrary evidence for, for much of the rest of the interview Matt Hancock was essentially saying no I did not say that no I did not say that to much of Dominic Cummings's testimony but the, the one thing he does admit to doing this uh, this care homes test or semi admit to to doing obviously leaving out the, the negligence and incompetence parts alleged by Dominic Cummings um, doesn't actively contradict too much except for the intent of what Dominic Cummings was saying. The, the content remains broadly the same, which does bring into question whether the content of the rest of Dominic Cummings' uh, testimony is accurate as well, because if it's if it's as accurate as this, and it's just the, the, the intent and the, uh, the precise tenses of the, the phrases being said, by people in the rooms where it happen, uh, where it happens rather, um, then Dominic Cummings' testimony starts to look more credible. If there'd been evidence placed on the, the table here to say, no, this actually didn't happen, I've got the minutes of the meeting here, and this, this, and this is what happened, and we made the decisions collectively, and yada, 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 then Matt Hancock might have been able to escape some more of the ire. 
However, he, he didn't really offer too much of a denial. Now, I'm assuming that, that more of the, the evidence-based approach will come when Matt Hancock goes before the select committee later this week. Uh, he's going before the same joint committees, I believe, the Health Science and Technology Committees. Um, and we will then get to see his full his full rebuttal to the statement made by Mr Cummings. But until then, we're, we're left with, again, a semi-painted picture. And the one artist who has the most brushstrokes on the page, well, that's Dominic Cummings. So it is really his picture, but we're not seeing any contrary evidence really being offered up by the government, just flat denials and technical definitions to, to support those denials. Now, I did say that I was going to mention one more thing today, and that is the uh, proposed, well, rebellion by um, Conservative backbenchers to reverse cuts in British aid. So the government announcing in a spending review late last year that they would be cutting um, international aid from 0.7% to 0.5%, that is in place currently, 0.7% um, which had been a legally binding target until, uh, well, not really a target, it was, um, it was a legally binding promise and commitment from the government to put forward 0.7% of backbench, uh, not backbench aid, um, of uh, GDP, or rather GNI, sorry, gross national income, uh, towards the overseas aid budget. But now we are seeing more than 30 Tory MPs and possibly as many as 45, which is the number needed to force this rebellion through, um, to restore the commitment to spend 0.7% of national income on international development. Now, in real terms, the cut of 0.2% of, of national income cost almost £4 billion. Uh, and whilst the government supporters say that the cut is temporary, necessary and popular. I would I would wonder about the, the popular part, but um, potentially you could make uh, economic arguments for necessary and I think temporary would be quite popular. Um, there are those in the, the rebel group, including former Foreign Minister Theresa May, former International Development Secretary Andrew Mitchell, um, who is leading this rebellion, as well as former Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt and Tom Tugendhat, who is the chair of the uh, Foreign Affairs Select Committee in the Commons, um, saying that contributing our fair share of aid is essential for a successful G7 summit this week. That quote coming from Andrew Mitchell, saying the UK is the only member of the G7 group of advanced economic countries cutting aid this year. And this would be a, essentially a slap in the face for foreign policy uh, and international policy for the government uh, in the very week that... Um, but in in the very week that uh, foreign leaders are going to be in St Albans to uh, talk about international goals, uh, we've already heard one big announcement about uh, global wealth uh, investment taxes being announced. Uh, I will go into that at some point later in the week, I feel sure. Um, maybe as it hits the headlines again later in the week, I'll come back to it. But um, this would be a, a major slap in the face. Um, the... The bill they're actually uh, trying to tag this uh, amendment onto is the Advanced Research and Invention Agency bill, which would set up a new agency to come up with innovative policy. Uh, and if the government fails to meet the 0.7% target, then that agency would have to meet the shortfall. And this bill will be put to scrutiny at the report stage in the House of Commons on Monday afternoon, so this afternoon. But the fate of this amendment uh, rests not just in the hands of MPs who vote on it, 
as in will they get the required numbers to force um, the government to backtrack, but it will actually be up to the Speaker of the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle, who gets to select the amendments for debate based on their relevance and their their needs. So if if he doesn't choose this amendment to go forward to the report stage, then it won't progress, and there'll have to be another uh, opportunity for backbench Tories to to try and push this this through. However, if it does, then expect some impassioned speeches on both sides of the the, the Commons Chamber. Um, well, from both sides of the Commons Chamber, you will hear speeches defending this amendment, but uh, you're more likely to hear speeches going after it from from the dispatch box and government supporting MPs. But it will be one to watch and one to keep an eye on to see if the government can actually keep their majority intact on this one issue. Uh, and if it can if it can get through this amendment, it'll be one certainly to to have a, a, a close watch on. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unboxed podcast. So I want to thank you very much for listening. If you have liked today's episode, please feel free to give us a rating wherever you can on the podcast app you are using to find this episode. And any feedback is more than appreciated. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by contacting us on Instagram, which is at politics.unboxed. On Facebook, you can search for Politics Unboxed and find our page. And on Twitter, our account is at politicsu. That's the letter U. Uh, if you want to get in touch over email, it is politics.unboxed at outlook.com. And if you want to see all the content that Politics Unboxed has to offer, then you can find our website, which is www.politicsunboxedpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed listening to today's episode of the podcast. Uh, and I hope very much to see you all around again soon for the next episode. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.